Here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So we're watching the clock here ticking down to a potential strike deadline. It'd be 6 p.m. our time, mm-hmm. right? So the public service. That's a lot. This, mm-hmm. is, this would be a big strike if, if all these workers walk off the job today. Well, there's going to be essential service levels established, so not everyone's going to be able to walk off the job. Uh, the unit has said it's going to target, it's going to picket in targeted strategic locations. But as you heard in, the, in your show in the last hour, uh, there's going to be disruptions to a lot of processes that involve things like uh, your tax return yeah. or your tax refund. If you're expecting a tax refund, you're going to have to wait probably if, if this job action does occur. Uh, passport uh, processes, uh, anything that involves government documents is going to slow down significantly. It doesn't mean everyone's suddenly not processing passports. It's just there's going to be far fewer people doing that. So you just do the math, and that means delays in uh, the processing of a number of federal uh, documents, including your tax refund. Okay, let's listen to the union president here talking quite tough here in the last couple of days. This is Chris Aylward, who's the president, Public Service Alliance of Canada. Here he is. Our members are frustrated that while negotiations drag on, they continue to fall behind. We've already been at the table for nearly two years, and these workers can't wait any longer. It's a long time without a contract there, too. Well, yeah, but you hear um, contradictory things about what's being actually on the table. About at the table. You know, one report has the feds offering 2% a year, another report has the feds offering 3% a year. Uh, Brian Lilly, the Toronto Sun columnist, has a piece uh, today saying that the revenue agency workers want a 9.5% increase up front before we get into the annual increases of 4.5%. Was that some sort of catch-up raise? I think so. And then you've got this also reporting this uh, payment into their social justice fund. Yeah. Which has uh, got nothing to do with wages. Just go to two million dollars international conferences, yeah. uh, and then this two fifty an hour, two dollars fifty cents an hour premium for working after four o'clock. So well, I don't is, get that one. What's up with that? I don't know. I mean, again, working after four o'clock. How is that overtime? Not a lot of information has been confirmed by either side. So there's yeah. a lot of stuff floating around out there. But the, a lot of this stuff sounds a bit beyond what other public sector unions are looking for. Right. Okay, there's always a lot of sort of brinksmanship that goes on here, right? There's threats, there's counter-threats that go on, and then as you get to a deadline... Now, now presumably they're talking, right? I yeah. believe they are talking. They're negotiating. Yeah. And okay. the, the strike hasn't occurred yet. It's yeah. quite conceivable. You could see could be a, a, deal. a settlement here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, strikes really aren't... Really, we don't see a lot of strikes anymore. Yeah. Period. I mean, yeah. I was used to cover labor for the Vancouver Sun, and we had a lot of strikes. Yeah. Back in the eighties and nineties, it was oh, yeah. uh, it was just part of the part of the landscape, part of the political fabric. But you don't see a lot of that anymore. Was that because unions were more were stronger? About unions that? were stronger. Yeah. The unionized workforce has uh, decreased over time. It's primarily um, much more of a public sector union this situation than private sector. But back in the day. We had some pretty mighty confrontations. Oh, yeah. Jack Monroe, all these guys. So we're coming up on the 40th anniversary of the Solidarity, Operation Solidarity, which was this mass protest against the social credit government's budgets of the day back in 1983. But I just don't see anything like that even happening anymore. Even Gordon Campbell's government arguably had the most anti-labor government since that solidarity uh, movement back in his first term when he tore up the contracts for the hospital yeah, employees right. union. You yeah. did not see a pushback from organized labor like you would have seen, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Okay, well, speaking of that, let's go in the way back machine here now. So yesterday we mentioned Jean-Claude Perrault when we were talking yesterday, the former union leader. 
Canadian Talk Union. Talk about fiery union leaders. Oh, yeah. This guy was tough as to nail. Canadian Union of Postal Workers, Cup W. That was a tough union back then. And this guy was super tough. Now, yeah, he went to actually went to jail, okay? So here he is. Okay, I love this. This is uh, Jack Webster, the great reporter, Jack Webster, on BCTV, uh, talking to Jean-Claude Perrault, president of Canadian Union of Postal Workers, 1979. Have a listen. See that man there? He is Jean-Claude Perrault, national leader of Cup W., a man who faces a three-month jail sentence for defying the back-to-work order passed by Parliament. You've been in jail already? I was in jail for 26 hours already. Nice experience. Yeah, I even work in the laundry. And I could tell you, in jail, at least there is window. There's none in the post office. Okay. So <laughs> no windows in the post office. This guy goes to jail. Yeah. Defying hey. a back-to-work order. Wow. Yeah, no, that, again, this is a, a different time, a different era. And Webster... Talk about great memories. I mean, the Webster Show was was uh, required viewing at 9 a.m. every day back in the confrontation with the Bennett government. Everything Ooh, yeah. played out on the Webster Show. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was yeah. really, you, it was must-see TV. Yeah. Um, and, and that was my station. Okay, so why I joined it, though. do you think that, like this guy Chris Aylward, Public Service Alliance, he seems like a pretty tough guy. He's talking tough, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but again, there's limits now. You see more essential service levels established yeah. uh, through courts. It's, and I don't think you'd see defiance of back-to-work legislation, but we're a long way from that. We you think they'll go out today? I don't know. That's I mean, I, I mean I, the, there's not a lot of concrete information coming out from that negotiating table. On the one hand, it doesn't look like they're that far apart, but then it, you add all these extras. Yeah. If this is actually true, this 250 an hour premium for 4 o'clock uh, shifts <laughs> – uh, this money for their social justice fund, the upfront payment for one component of the union, the, the central or the Canadian Revenue Agency, it, then it becomes a little more complicated. Okay, let me ask you about your thoughts on Twitter versus the CBC, right? So it kind of started when Pierre Polyev, the conservative leader, actually wrote a letter to Elon Musk effectively at Twitter and said, look, you should put a, a, a memo, you should put a note on CBC's Twitter page. This is government-funded media, mm-hmm. right? And that's what Twitter did. So when you look at CBC on Twitter now, it says government-funded media. And Elon Musk says, well, we're just trying to be accurate and disclose to, to the public what the deal is so people can make a decision for themselves if they can trust the content. It's a, it's a not-so-subtle right? anti-government thing. So they don't, fund, they don't identify other media outlets as being funded by private a- advertisers. For example, yeah. you know, CKNW gets all its revenue from advertisers. Are we supposed to be identified on Twitter as privately funded corporate, corporate funded media? Yeah. <laughs> so this is Elon Musk. He's very right wing. It's an and not so subtle attempt to brand something as government, therefore evil, because he's very much anti-government. Well, should anyone care about it, though? I mean, you know, CBC... I wonder if CBC's overreacting. Well, CBC has now said they've pu- they're pausing their Twitter yeah, and so activity. So is National Public Radio, NPR. Right, yeah, because um, the same deal. Same deal, which I think is I think it's playing a bit into Musk's hands here. He loves the attention. I mean, he, he took to Twitter to say, okay, they're only 70% funded, so we'll call them 69% funded by, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, by government. Yeah. So I think it's kind of playing into Musk's hands in a bit by reacting. I think Musk is Musk is sitting there laughing at this whole this whole thing. Let's listen to Justin Trudeau. So here is Justin Trudeau yesterday, the Prime Minister, reacting to this, and then we'll get your thoughts. CBC Radio Canada uh, serves right across the country, delivers 
local news and local content in many regions of the country by attacking this Canadian institution, attacking the culture and local content that is so important to so many Canadians, uh, really indicates uh, the values and the approach that Mr. Polyev is putting forward. Okay, so going after Conservative leader Pierre Polyev, who is encouraging well, Polyev, Twitter to do this. And Polyev's got this definite anti-media campaign oh, yeah. going on. He went after Canadian press. Yeah. We talked about this, you're a former Canadian press reporter, yeah. uh, suggesting because CBC was a big client of theirs, that somehow their questions are tainted, yeah. that government controls this. It's, it's, it smacks of anti-democratic values. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. Like, when I listen to Polyev talk about defunding the CBC, I don't really, I'm not really buying it. No. I'm not sure he would follow through on this. Let's listen to what he says he's going to do here. here here's Polyev on defunding the CBC. Let's listen. It's a colossal waste of money, over a billion dollars for a bloated uh, corporation that is becoming increasingly just a a communications bureau for the PMO. Uh, So I will defund CBC and I will have specific policy proposals to achieve that. And of course, he goes on to say that except for French language content, he'll preserve that. He's shying away from going after Radio Canada, which is inconsistent to say the least. Um, And when he says it's a communications bureau for the PMO, that's ridiculous. I mean, you can fault CBC, just like every media outlet can be faulted for all sorts of things, all sorts of editorial positions. I mean, there's no different than any other news organization. But I'd I'd be very surprised if he were to get to the PMO, which is still a long ways away. I don't think he'd follow through and get that thing. I don't think he would either. It's not a waste of of money, for one thing. You could say it's bloated, for sure. You can always accuse large corporations of being bloated, but when you start, if you close down CBC Radio, you shut down the radio stations' access to so many small towns in rural Canada that don't rely on CBC Radio as their information source. Right. Well, you know, the Conservatives will point. I've pointed out that the president of CBC had crit- criticized Polyev. CBC actually sued the Conservative Party in the last election over both copyright infringements. By, both dumb moves by CBC. I officials. thought so. I thought so too, but. When you start talking about basically completely defunding and shutting down the CBC, there are a lot of small towns in Canada don't have a lot of other local news content exactly. other than CBC. Yeah, yeah. And so we're talking thousands. I don't, would of he employees. go through with that? I, I don't, don't think, think he would. I don't think he would either. I don't think he would. I think it's a nice campaign slogan in some places of Canada, but I don't think it's well. Really it's it's good for it's, it's good red meat for his base, yep. right? The people who hate Trudeau and hate the CBC. I mean, they they love this stuff, but they're with him anyway. I mean, they're yeah. going to vote for him anyway. Baldry's beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Daryl and Coquitlam. Hi, Daryl. Go ahead. I just like uh, your opinions on what Polyev to me seems to be doing is, is tracking the Donald Trump playbook of staying away from the national media, not taking questions from CNN, NBC, CBS, uh, going after the Times and the Washington Post, and only going through very select media outlets like Fox and, and his own social network platforms. Polyev is almost tracking that same thing. He really doesn't take questions from the press. He doesn't go into the scrum. He, uh, I think he goes on things like rebel media. So i just like your opinion. Consecutive conservative leaders have gone after the CBC. Stephen Harper wanted to defund them. So I, I, yeah. I don't understand their, their, their strategy. And as you rightfully said, they are not growing their base. Well, that's the thing. Okay. Yeah, your thoughts. Yeah, so Aaron O'Toole didn't go after defunding the CBC. His, Andrew Scheer did. Andrew yeah. Scheer did. Uh, Harper talked about it, but never followed through on it. I mean, there's obviously frustration 
uh, if you're a conservative government, with some media outlets, or if you're a liberal, sure. liberal uh, government with some media outlets. There's no yeah. question. Um, I'm sure the liberal government doesn't like the coverage they get from the Sun newspapers. Yeah. Um, but so what? I mean, it doesn't mean you should be able to, allowed to wage war on the uh, on that those media outlets. So, I mean, Polyev's been compared to the Trump playbook, which is true in some elements. He doesn't like the National Press Gallery. It's not the first guy. Stephen Harper didn't like the press, National Press Gallery either. Uh, Pierre Trudeau had some problems with uh, Justin, you know, his father had some noted problems with the National Press Gallery as well. But uh, Polyev does like the regional media. He doesn't like national media scrums. But, uh, but he has done some press conferences, yeah, to be oh, yeah, fair to yeah. him. He's been on this show. Yeah, and he's had some... Uh, he's been on other shows in CKNW. Yeah, and again, he, he favors the regional media approach, which yeah. is a perfectly valid approach from a politician's point of view. You can yeah. certainly... We've had premiers here who don't like the VC press gallery and prefer yeah. to talk to regional sure. outlets. And again, that's Christy the, Clark wasn't exactly no, chummy she with wasn't the press gallery. with us. Okay. Deb in Victoria. Hi, Deb. Go ahead. Hi. Hi. I, I think absolutely the CBC should be defunded. Let them compete with the private sector media. And uh, I, I believe that throughout Canada, people have their own news sources um, that they collect their information from. So, yeah, totally. I, I think that taxpayers shouldn't be paying for the CBC. Anyway, that's my opinion. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, you know, it, it, this is an ongoing debate. You know, we'll see where we're headed 10, 20 years from now. Can a, can a publicly funded media outlet survive? You know, speaking as someone who is a competitor of the CBC, yeah. I do have an issue, and, and my management will tell you this, is they're comp- they're, they get a huge subsidy, but they also compete with us on the private side for such things as digital advertising. Yeah, right. You yeah. Know, why yeah. should they get a subsidy and be allowed to compete with us right. and take money that otherwise would have gone to private? That's a legitimate, I think, debating sure. point. Sure. James in Nanus Bay. Hi, James. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. I just want to uh, throw my voice in on the camp that I don't think most Canadians would be upset if the CBC was defunded. I think that's pretty obvious in their viewership numbers. So the fallback position seems to be remote communities won't have access. Well, I'm over here in a regional district, and I'm listening to you on an Internet app on my iPhone. So take the money we give to the CBC, and if there are remote communities that don't have good Internet access, that money will go a lot further than supporting the government-funded broadcaster. Okay. Thanks, James. CBC is basically, James, good point. CBC television is basically disappearing. It doesn't really, that's not where they're putting their resources. They're putting all their their resources into radio and digital, which does compete with the private sector. Squeeze in one more. Doug in Surrey. Doug, you got 30 seconds. Go ahead. This is a uh, button I'm looking at here, Save Canada Post, put out by Cup W, and Polyab is reading out of the same song book as Stephen Harper was when he had his war bonnet on against the CBC and Canada Post and everybody else that was union. And uh, Polyab is just, uh, I hope he keeps running his mouth because he can, he's like going to get cut off at the ankles by the Conservatives in the next election. Thank you, Doug, for the call. Get ten seconds. Well, what I wonder is whether Paul Ave is going to run out of gas because mm. the election's a long way away, we'll see. and I don't think he can keep pushing these same buttons over and over again. Nine one one. Nine one one. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God! The ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hurry! Hurry! Hello? Are you there? 
Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.